What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Risk Cheese Radio podcast. We are on episode 27 in your home for orological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. I'm your co-host, Brodinky, and with me as always is my co-host, Schmidt. Schmidt, what's going on, brother? Nothing much, my friend. How are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. I'm having a pretty good week. Um, the uh, Risk Check Pod episode... Seems to be pretty well received. Having a good time yeah, with that. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Shout out to those boys, man. That was that was honestly a great episode. I, I really enjoyed listening to it. Yeah, Glad that you were able to get on. Definitely, absolutely. I don't, I don't, I don't think that'll be the last uh, mashup you get between between the groups. Um, Hopefully not. Yeah. Uh, also, shout out to my buddies over at Whiskey and Watches. Uh, just for the record, I put my pants on both legs at one time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was actually Mike Stockton asked that he said you yeah yeah, yeah that's right like at a time. You, you and Buzzy always put both both your legs right at the same jump time, right? right in just jump in just grab life yeah. by the horns and just go for it but hey man when a, a Fratelli calls you a celebrity man that's a big deal right yeah yeah shout out Mike Stockton thanks he's buddy. a great dude what up Mike um and then also uh I kicked off in case nobody saw I kicked off the charitable season yeah, I'm going to give away a moon swatch. So that's going to be cool. Uh, so far, up over 1400 bucks, So that's great. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. That's well over the price of that watch. Oh, yeah. By no a considerable doubt. No amount, doubt. for sure. But, uh, yeah, so shout out to everybody who's donated. And, um, you know, same deal as always. I usually do one entry per 10 bucks. Draw it random. I tape it so it's legit. And uh, at the end, somebody's going to walk away with a moon swatch for 10 bucks. So that's cool. And 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 you got my favorite of the moon swatches of course you Mars, man you got to yeah got to. yeah the alaska mars and it's 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 brodinky colors so it is. i mean you're on brand you're on you're on, you're representing I, I like that i like that a lot yeah and uh for those who are entered in my uh 25k strap giveaway i have not forgotten you but it takes me a while to make the rounds on that because i have to get the attention of everybody who i draw in order to ask what 20 millimeter 22 millimeter what hardware so it takes me a while to get around i have not forgotten around uh, about you i'm making the rounds slowly but i'm getting there in other news we do have a guest with us tonight yeah we do yeah we do uh, yeah we do uh his name is lorenzo but you may know him as at omega bond watches and appropriately tonight we are going to be talking a little bond so without further ado, I will let our friend Lorenzo introduce himself. Lorenzo, why don't you give us a little bit about who you are and what exactly you you do in your own content space? Hey, thanks, uh, bro and uh, Schmidt for having me on. This is actually kind of strange because I do have a podcast also I do that focuses mostly on the bond aspect of collecting and sartorial items and, of course, watches. But thanks for having me on. It's nice to flex my horological muscles <laughs> more than my bond muscles from time to time but uh my channel is basically just what it says it is it's it focuses mainly on the screen worn omega bond watches um primarily from obviously the brosnan era and the daniel craig era so i mean it's 25 years worth of time since uh we first saw the uh diver 300 on screen in goldeneye but up until no time to die with obviously 
the Diver 300, yep. <laughs> No Time to yeah. Die, slash 007 edition. And a lot has happened in between. There's a lot of questions people have about screen accuracy, mostly in the Bond community. Um, a lot of people just aren't really aware of the differences between the models. Um, and for those true collectors, it really does boil down to those small differences. So that's kind of what my page focuses around. Obviously, I reach out to people about, you know, if they need help finding one of these models or um, if they have questions about the legitimacy of, of a purchase. So I kind of do that out of the kindness of my heart because I'm a huge supporter of the brand and I actually, I grew up pretty much at 12 years old, loving Omega. So um, I have seen my taste evolve over time and I've learned to appreciate other brands and I'm still fairly new in the watch world as far as it goes, as far as understanding what's really out there as far as like the small boutique kind of brands. But when you're talking about like Rolex and Tudor and, you know, uh, Hamilton and all those like major players, like I can speak to those, but when you start getting into, you know, the littler brands that are, you know, more, yeah, there's a lot of micros out there. Yeah. Micro brands. So like, I, that's why I love listening to you guys. Cause when you bring those up, I immediately get on my phone and I'm like, okay, where are they talking about? Cause I want to, I want to edge educate myself about these things so um, i do appreciate what you guys do. so thanks for having me on and uh yeah that's a little bit about me and yeah, your and, podcast and, and, is the yes blunt instruments podcast correct yes i'm a co-host with my uh good buddy uh luke taggart he uh runs his handle is uh bonds apartment so he fo- <laughs> he doesn't focus on furniture or anything like that he's more or less <laughs> like he focuses lifestyle on, yeah lifestyle um he covers a range, which is cool, but the podcast is like our baby. So like we were, we're pretty consistent. We try to put on an episode every week. Yeah. And you guys Very just cool. dropped one what, yesterday or the day before. Actually, uh, tom- we recorded yesterday and it'll be out tomorrow. Typically we drop them on yeah. Fridays. Okay, cool. So Friday drops. So there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, the blunt instruments podcast and people can find you on what was it? Um, Apple podcast, on, um, yeah, Spotify. We're on all the major ones. You know, we're, we got some fun stats, you know, we're, we're up to like close to 70 episodes now recorded and we've been doing it for over a fantastic, year. Man. Um, yeah, it's been great. And it's funny how like over time it's evolved and I'm sure you guys in the short time you've been out there, we've done like a little over 20 episodes now. This is uh 27, 27. So like, I'm sure from your like 10th one till now you've, already like seen some changes in the way you guys kind of go about your business so it's yeah for sure it's always sure. it's fun to talk to other creators and and kind of see their their growth process you know absolutely could not agree more could not agree more so um lorenzo thank you for jumping on with us uh and oh, absolutely and, and, and bringing some some bond flavor to this and and in a kind of in a rare occurrence, I'm gonna take the lead on this. Normally, I let bro do it. <laughs> I like to come off the bench, you know. Like I'm a I'm a pinch better off the bench player. Yeah, exactly, right. Uh, but this He's is my Ginobili. Kinda, yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. This is this is a this is a topic of mine that uh, that I had come across. I was doing a little bit of independent research for for some Bond stuff, and um, basically, I came across. And and I don't know if it's like. A true inaccuracy. I don't know if it's just my mind playing games with me or there's something going on here. But I remember I called you one night many, many months ago and I was like, hey, can you give me the original reference for the Rolex Mariner that was featured in Dr. No? 
And I remember you telling me, yeah, it's this reference. It's the 6538. For those of you who are not familiar with vintage Rolex of Mariners, I certainly was not. So Lorenzo had to tell me that. <laughs> and uh, I started digging. And I remember in my, in my search for this, I came across a lot of <sighs> inaccuracies. Inaccuracies, but I came across a lot of like um, inconsistencies. Inconsistencies. Yeah, that's probably more what, what, what word I'm looking for. Came across a lot of inconsistencies. When I look at the watch, it was actually featured in the first few films, right? We have right. Dr. No, 1962. We have From Russia With Love, which is 1963, I believe. Yep. That's correct. And then we have Thunderball, which is 1965. All yes. three of those films at one point in time feature the Rolex Submariner. And I think from Russia with Love, it's a pretty small blip in the entirety of the movie. Um, it's more so in Thunderball and certainly in Dr. No that you see this, right? You have the famous lighter scene in Dr. No, yep. lighting of the watch, which doesn't make sense because the watch actually, is radium, it's that, glowing. Actually, that was that, <laughs> you, you missed my favorite Connery movie, and that was the movie he did that in. That's uh, Goldfinger in 1964. I'm sorry, Goldfinger. Okay. <laughs> Goldfinger. Okay. All right. All right. So there you go. So Goldfinger, right? So at least in the film, you see this, right? The lighter yeah, scene. Seeing, yeah, you're seeing the wall. That is the first real true shot of the Rolex on Connery's wrist. And what what year again was that? Was that film? That was 1964. Okay, so basically we're getting like one film a year, essentially. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's funny. That's a crazy turnaround. It's yeah, crazy yeah. wild. Also, they think so, that at that point they were like a million dollars to film at that point. Like you <laughs> put a million down and you make like five million. <laughs> so what's interesting about this is when I look at the original kind of Google search, right? If I do a Google search of the quintessential like James Bond Submariner, everywhere that I look for telewatches, Houdinki, Antiquorum, Christie's, Bob's watches, it doesn't matter. I get a Rolex 6538 is the reference, right? And for those of you who are not familiar with the with the kind of classical, you know, Submariners, in many ways, this is the archetypal, quote-unquote, James Bond Submariner. This is the red triangle, big crown, big white lollipop secondhand, gilt dial Submariner. And everywhere that I look, people have sold this, marketed it, and talked about it as the James Bond Submariner. However, I cannot find a single image on the internet anywhere from any of the films that he's wearing this watch where this is the exact model that is on his wrist, which doesn't make any sense to me. Because for so many years, people are, have been talking about this as the Bond Submariner, as it's the archetypal Bond Samaritan. There's even homage watches that exist in the community that have these tropes on them. Red triangle, big crown, the gilt hands, all of these things. And yet that's not the one that we see in the film. And specifically when you look at Thunderball, and specifically as you talked about in Goldfinger, right, where he's where he has the lighter scene. I, I mix I mix this up. I was thinking about that as, a, as the first one, but it's not. So you're looking at this and those watches don't look at all the same. So what I came across is in, in early Rolex Submariner kind of references, there's two major references that come up. There's a 6536 and the 6538. Everyone says that the 6538 is the bond Submariner. 
But the 65-36, in some ways, people still kind of rope it in as a James Bond Submariner because it does share a lot of similarities between the two references. Now, the major discrepancy between these two references comes down to a few key things. First and foremost is the crown. 6536 has a pretty small-sized crown, whereas the 6538 is the big crown variation, right? Um, the 6536 in many ways has a kind of traditional bezel without any type of graduations on the 15-minute mark. Now, there was some kind of you know models that did feature this later points in production, but for the most part, from what I can see, it's a silver triangle bezel in black with no 15-minute countdown scale. All right. Then you have a lollipop second hand, which can be done in one of two ways. Either a large white lollipop with a giant plot at the end or a gilt finish one, which matches the handset also with a large lollipop at the end. And then you have the text on the dial. Most 6536s have Oyster Perpetual and Rolex at the top. And at the six o'clock position, you have the water resistancy, which on this model was 100 meters. And then the word submariner. That's it. So it's 100 meters, the feet rating, and then sub. Now, by contrast, the 6538, you start to see some of these other tropes, right? You have the big crown. A lot of them will have a red triangle on them. But they also will feature a 15-minute graduation scale for the countdown on the, uh, the decompression stop for the bezel. You still have, you know, the depth rating at six o'clock with Submariner, but the depth rating has now been increased to 200 meters. And you have kind of a bigger, beefier case, um, which was another kind of thing that they rolled out. That was a difference between the two models. But when I look at both of these references and I compare them to the image of the Rolex Submariner that I see in Goldfinger, that I see in Thunderball, None of these references directly line up with what I see on screen. And what trips me out is you kind of touched on this earlier about screen accuracy, right? This is yep. huge to the Bond community. And I don't know if I'm just losing my mind or I'm taking crazy pills or I'm just that uneducated about Rolex vintage references. But to me, this seems kind of like a big deal because the references that are being touted as the reference that was worn in the film is not actually the one that's been worn in the film. It may be the same reference number, but it's not the screen accurate watch because the one he has in the film, the case looks like it's a 6536. It looks like it's a skinny case because of the lugs. It has a big crown, but it has a black bezel without a red triangle marker, right? right. There's no graduations on it. Yet the dial text has Rolex Oyster Perpetual at the top. It's a two-liner at the bottom, and it has a depth rating, which we can't make out. It's just too hard to see. And then Submariner. But the ultimate kicker here is the second hand. It's a gilt finish, but it has a small lollipop tip on it. So it's almost like you're taking both attributes from both references combining them into one timepiece and that's what's worn on screen and i just cannot wrap my head around how why and why is the community at large not really kind of focusing on this 
because nowhere have I seen it brought up on anybody or any social media forum, whatever. Either community, right? Not that I can gather. Yeah, so I, I did a little research myself, and the the uh, first of all, let me be clear: I am not a Rolex vintage master, no, no, no say at all. But I do know a little bit about this model because of its status and what it means to the Bond community. And I can tell you this: the the Rolex nineteen or sixty five thirty eight ceased production in nineteen fifty nine. So that's. Yep. We're looking a few at years even, before the, the years films. before. So at this point, you're kind of like, all right, well, it's a discontinued model. So that gives us a little hint to move forward with. Um, also, there's the fact of everyone says there's a red triangle, but there's no evidence of a red triangle in any of the images, Correct. like you said. So it's like, as we're piecing this piece by piece, it's kind of like, wait a minute. Where is this all coming from when you're looking at the standard models that are being sold and then you're cross-referencing them? I mean, screen accuracy is screen accuracy, but I think this gets overlooked because, I mean, I'll be honest, look at the amount of money they're charging for these things. Yep. I mean, <laughs> when and, I see a six-figure price tag, I'm not really like, oh, let me do my research. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm just not going to own that shit. Like, that's the first thing I say, yeah. you know, unless I win the lottery. But um there's there's that facet of it and then there's the whole aspect of it of like when people reference rolex to bond you know current bond to me it's like the sub we see nowadays the 2020 sub has very little design notes compared to that the original that bond yeah. wore yeah so it's just like i don't know like and now now there's the, the thought that it could have been frankenstein or the parts are not you know the original that were designed for that particular model, you know, and who knows, like, this is the sixties we're talking about here. Like it's yeah, not it like they have a the wild west. Yeah. There's no service center. You're not sending your shit in. They're like stamping out brand new metal pieces for your watch. Like, yeah. No, Lord like, knows how long it's <laughs> to get parts. Yeah, yeah. Or molds to make those parts. Like it's just like, or, or to hand make them, whatever they were doing at that point. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of room for error here. And, and we haven't said it, but, there's always a chance that it was a fake. I mean, they're, bum, they're, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, yeah, yeah. Know. I mean, I, I don't. I, you know, having seen it, I don't think that that's the case. Yeah, but I don't either. But it's, talk it's about Skyfall. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Exactly. But it's, it certainly begs the question, though, because I know, I, having met you and having been, I mean, we met what, at the early part of last year, I believe, May or the, yeah, yeah, May. May of last year. Yep. And we met in the same way that we're conversing now. We met online, yeah. uh, which is, again, it's kind of a weird thing to admit out loud as grown men. But it, it's true. We met online. We started conversing. I slid Pandemic into his DMs. Life, bro. And we, hey, I mean, it was what it was. Like I, slid, I slid into his DMs and we started kind of connecting on Bond stuff and, and, and Omega stuff. And, and that was really cool. So, you know, we have a friendship, uh, which I'm very, very happy for. Um, but I remember. Oh, shit, you know, I love you, too. <laughs> so what's funny about this though is i remember that you you know in kind of the world that you brought me into because i really didn't know as much about the bond community the bond lifestyle all these things that that you're you know a big proponent of until i really met you i had kind of an idea but it was much more from an outward perspective rather than somebody that's in the community um much the way that i am with watches like i'm in the community right right so when I was well, looking at this and, and meeting you, 
I got a lot more access to this. And I remember one of the major things that you told me specifically for yourself and your own collecting journey is you are a big collector that's concerned with screen accuracy. Like all of your watches, you don't collect specialty editions. You don't collect all these kind of novelty fringe things. If the Bond character did not wear that Omega in the film, in that exact reference, you don't buy it. Is that right? That is correct. So... (laughs) This is a very uh, this is a very sensitive topic for for some individuals. Uh, I mean, for me, it's it's one of those things where I care about that stuff because it's. I mean, that is what was worn on screen. And and granted, yeah. only one of my references actually that's not true. Two of my references <laughs> aren't one hundred percent screen accurate. One of them because it's impossible to get a screen accurate one unless you Frankenstein it. So that's, uh, and I'm referring to the Skyfall Planet Ocean that Daniel Craig wears in the opening scenes of Skyfall. Can you it's, explain why? Because I don't know if everybody knows this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so <laughs> Daniel Craig had his Planet Ocean, which is the ceramic matte bezel and the 8,500 movement, uh, 42 mil uh, and black dial. His was made out of titanium grade five. And the model that was sold as the Bond watch was steel on steel. So obviously grade five titanium plays extremely different than, sure. than steel on steel. So, and the only reason uh, us Bond collectors found out about it is because Christie's auctioned off one of the three pieces that were made specifically for filming. And Daniel Craig's reason behind it was he needed the watch to be lighter because it's such a heavy watch yeah yeah for stunts and stuff like that so it was um that's how we found out i know of one person that bought uh 8500 blue uh grade five titanium and then bought the steel and had someone swap the bezel and the dial out that's a commitment (laughs) that's commitment (laughs) but it's like is it worth you know the warranty Two watches getting, yeah i just i don't know i as much as i'd love to have a screen accurate one not at that cost and and not yeah. because it's the price it's more or less because of the factor of this was not a model created by omega in their factory it's like i literally went down to some dark door and knocked on it and out came the screen accurate version. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. Okay. And again, it, okay. it, begs the, it begs the question too, like serviceability and longevity. Yeah. Of that piece. Like you can't send it back to Omega to have that work done. Yeah. Like, and then, that's then, good luck. Yeah. So, and then you're the other thing is, is like, you know, your serial numbers aren't going to match and stuff like that on certain pieces. So it's just like, is it really worth it at the end of the day? Yeah. For sure. You know, and I, so I struggled with that. And finally, I just accepted the fact that. You know, Omega is missing a great opportunity for Skyfall's 10th anniversary to re-release that watch as it was on screen and do a limited edition. So, I mean, there's always that factor, you know. Um, (laughs) Omega, if you are listening, please issue a Skyfall limited edition. You know where to find me. It's not like you don't know my name. (laughs) I mean, you heard it here first, guys. There's just so many great, great concepts that that could be done instead of slapping 007 on the dial. And putting yeah. a coat of arms all over the dial and, and all this other like Mickey Mouse shit like that. I just don't. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm buying a Bond watch. I don't want someone to be like, oh, my God, that's a James Bond watch because it says 007 a thousand times on the <laughs> dial. Like that just yeah. doesn't do it for me. Like yeah, yeah, it just yeah. it's like McDonald's collect all 12 toys. Like I just don't I don't resonate with that. If you're into that <laughs> collect all 12 toys. I, yeah, love, that. That, that's, I love that. 
I mean, that's uh, that's just my opinion, and I don't hate on anyone if they buy them. Like, the, if you're into that, great. Some people love the gun barrel logo. Like, us us serious collectors tend to stray, you know, strafe away from that kind of stuff. Like, we want yeah. subtlety. We want again screen accuracy. We we want to feel that that um, that moment of escapism when we looked you know, at our watch or like, you know, we put a certain shirt on, you know, it makes us feel a certain way. It's that connection to the character in our own terms. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely more deep than just, Oh, I'm buying a James Bond polo. So, yeah. 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 Um, so, so I, mean, was, I went on a tangent there. I'm sorry, guys. No, that's uh, what so we that, do. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's all right. It's all good, man. We'll, we'll, we'll let, we'll let the fish draw the line. So, Okay, so that was the first model. The other model I have that isn't screen accurate, it's actually my my golden eye uh diver, which is the first watch. It's a quartz movement. Uh I believe it's uh, uh you'll have to help me, Schmidt. It, it's a 1509. Oh, no, Dude, I don't I don't know. It doesn't matter. I can't remember. It's the it's the golden eye seamaster. Okay. It's it's, it's a fun. quartz movement, ETA uh ETA modified movement. So anyway. This one's fun because this one I figured out pretty quickly. They're actually so in '93 when the model was released, which GoldenEye came out in '95. Uh, the original model was made with tritium indices, and as you all know, tritium <laughs> ceased to be used. Little, little radioactive. Yeah, and after 20 years, you're not getting any glow from those those puppies, and they mm-hmm. tend to age not so well. Yeah. So the one that. Um, Pierce Brosnan wore on screen was actually a tritium version, which yeah, the way you can tell the difference. So they were made from 93 till a little bit into 97, probably ended production at the end of 96. So you're looking at three years of production. They uh they're typically brown by the time you find them. Um, <laughs> you know, because just the radioactiveness yeah. is deteriorating. Yeah, the decay, the decay looks yeah. half-life crap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that half-life baby. And then another fun fact is, is when you look at the dial, um, the three in 300 meters is asymmetrical, which versus the, the updated version, which is actually symmetrical, uh, symmetrical three. And then the F is more curved in feet than it is. It's more straight up. And there's like a little bend at the tip of, of yeah. the uh, so so when you're talking about the yeah. the asymmetrical three you're talking about the top loop of the three is smaller than the bottom yeah. loop yeah the, the bottom so, loop is bigger and then the top yeah. loop and the bottom loop on the other ones are basically the same size exactly yeah so they huh. th- those were the the three differences between the models b- between the two models so after that 97 which in tomorrow never dies um they moved to an automatic movement in the same in the world's not enough and die another day it was the same watch in all three. It was an automatic um, Diver 300, and it had super luminoval indices. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously getting a little bit more with the times, a better material, you know, a little R&D going into their product yeah. after GoldenEye. So, so. so basically the, the, the one that you have that's technically not as screen accurate is I assume you have a, an SLN dial on yours. Is that is that the correct? Yes. So after 97 with the quartz, they kept everything the same except for the three things I, 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 I yeah. noted, but it's still a quartz movement, same quartz movement. So same reference, same watch. But when you get find one for just shy of over a thousand bucks, you just you buy it. You buy yeah, it, yeah. and you just say good and, enough. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know what's great? I mean, and that's kind of funny because you said it's the same reference, 
same movement, same everything, with the exception of the dial and those little key nuances that you talked about, which kind of brings us back to the to the Rolex thing. Sure does. With the Submariner. Because technically the 6538 could be the reference 100%. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not. I'm not a Rolex collector. I'm not a historian. And I don't get paid a ton of money to figure these things out. But what I find is so interesting is the fact that it has the same reference, but there's so many different nuances, even within that reference range of production that makes it that makes this watch unusual. And again, I'm not going to sit here and try to say that I'm trying to reinvent the wheel or I'm going to you know do a, a gotcha moment on anything. I'm just finding it very interesting that the watch is so touted as the quote unquote archetypal James Bond Submariner really was never even worn in the film. Because it's yeah. not the same watch. And, and then, that, that, then, that's so huh. strange to me. And I, I, again, it's just like getting back to the screen accuracy thing. I just find it so funny that watch collectors or, you know, the Bond community at large just either has overlooked this or doesn't care. Or maybe it's one of those things that's like the Mandela effect where we just like all kind of cohesively remember it to be the, the big triangle or the, the red triangle with the big crown. And that's kind of what we remember. And that's what we believe to be true, but it's actually not true. So I don't know. I just thought that this was, this is kind of a weird thing. And, and, and I know I had touched on this with bro before and he's like, yeah, we should talk about this. Cause I don't know. I just thought he wore the black Bay 58. So. <laughs> <laughs> no and again, can. you talk about another iconic, like you look at the guilt black Bay 58. It's got a red triangle, yep, red it's got triangle. Some gilt markers, big oh. crown. I mean, and people buy that watch because they can't get, you know, the 6538. Because again, that's the James Bond Submariner, but it's not. It might be the same reference, but that particular watch that's always sold as the Bond watch is not the one that he wears in the movie. Well, I'll throw I you can't an example. Find a single image of it. I'll throw you an example, right? Um, the Seiko speed timer that I have, the 6139. Oh, yeah, the Bruce was, Lee, right? Right. It was so the one that I have was touted as the Bruce Lee for the longest time. Upon further research, people found out that his variant had, I can't remember what day wheel. I think it was like Cantonese or Thai or something. I can't remember what it is, but he's got that. And then to the left side of the dial, there's different wording. On that one, it says waterproof. So like the, the wording, there's no resistance. It's proof. They call it the proof proof dial. So little things here and there kind of mess that around. So people who bought the Bruce Lee like I have for more money thinking, okay, I got Bruce Lee's exact watch. I don't know. Maybe they are a little disappointed because they didn't get the exact one because his variant is obviously super rare. Yeah. You know, so I, and, that's and, just an and example obviously different from more accessible collecting. But I, I think it's something that happens fairly often. But I mean, and that's the thing that's so that's so crazy about this, because, I mean, you talk about more accessible collecting. I mean, you know, I know those, those watches, they they go for a decent amount of money. They're, yeah, they're, not, not, they're cheap, not super cheap, no, but they're also not, you know, super. We're talking about an extremely expensive watch. Right. You look at some of these big crown red triangle subs. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at one right now that's sold on rowing blazers. For $575,000? Like, what? 
Oh, I, I need a minute. I mean, and, that, that and that's, and, and that's, <laughs> I mean, that that's probably on the super high end. Oh, you know, I don't sure. know that that's like a common are they, price. Are they point. passing it off but, as Connery's actual watch? <laughs> I, I, I mean, but even still, like I'm looking at Grays, right now and pussies, Sotheby's. gores, breasts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, she wore a Rolex too. She wore a GMT master. But I'm looking at I'm looking at at, a, at another sub from Chris from Sotheby's actually. The estimate for this watch is 180 to 280,000. Yeah, that that that's, that's the range. That's a I, lot that that's a lot of money for a watch. That's a lot of watches. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just in ge- exactly. I mean, just in general it's a lot of watches. But I mean, like this is not an insignificant amount of money and for for this potentially to be the wrong watch right if you're paying for screen accuracy i would be pretty chapped if it turned out it was because again everywhere that i look this up it's james bond submariner james bond submariner you know uh go you know uh dr no thunderball you know from russia with love Submariner. like it's not it's not that watch if you look at the film you look at the movies these two watches don't line up at all you're slowly destroying some millionaires dreams right now Schmidt. I just I can't. There's so <laughs> like I've just found so many inconsistencies between these these images that I just can't pin down. That to me seems so strange, and that's what I what I find is very interesting. Now I know the world of Rolex is like, especially at like early Rolex. There's so much nuance and there's so many different things you could literally write encyclopedias on all the references. Transitional they models, so often. exactly. And and yeah. and that's the thing for me. Is this a legitimate Rolex? Yeah, it, it's got to be 100. percent that's a hill I'm willing to die on. But what I find so interesting about this is the idea that all of these other watches are being sold as this piece. And it's not because it may have the same reference, but there's always a subtle nuance between these models that I have not seen another one on the internet, on a forum, on a posting, on anything With that is exactly the same as the one that I see on Sean Connery's wrist. And that's what blows my mind. I don't know if this is some super rare transitional model, if it's like a, a 6536 case with the slim lugs that got, you know, transitionally upgraded to the newer water resistance at 200 meters. So, you know what? It's got the original bezel from the 6536 with the non-graduations. But you know what? We'll put a big crown on it because it's got a higher water resistance now. Like, I don't know, but it doesn't make sense that it's not on the other ones. And the other big thing that I forgot to mention the 6538s, they had a caliber 1030 in them. It was the same, according to my research, it was the same caliber that was in the 6536. The difference being is at the very end of the production cycle, the 6536, which is about a year or so, they became chronometer certified. So as they changed the reference, the 6538s started getting chronometer certifications, which added additional lines of text on the dials. When you look at the, the watches in the film, there's only two lines of text at the bottom, which is where Rolex used to put officially certified chronometer on those watches. It was at the bottom at six o'clock, whether above the death rating or below Submariner. It was in one of those two spots. That's why they call them four liners because it had four lines of text. Right. It's not there. So even if this is a 6538, it's got the water resistance rating. It only says Samara. There's no chronometer certification, which lends me to believe that maybe this was a dial 
and a movement from a 6536 in a case from a 6536 that was upgraded with the big crown for the 6538. Now that sounds crazy, conspiratorial, doesn't make any sense. Maybe I'm gonna put my tin foil hat on, like the guy from like the guy from Barstool. But you know, it just it's just so funny to me that like I can't be the only one that that noticed this. Like, it, am I taking crazy pills? I don't. I, I don't. I don't think Bro, you're taking crazy pills, man. I don't think you. I don't think you are. I, I, look, there's also the fact that maybe something happened to the watch and it was damaged. Thus, they saved the movement which would be a lot cheaper to replace the case and a, and a bezel ring versus a movement. And maybe that's what happened. Who knows? I mean, that's, that's the yeah. shitty part, but if Rolex was keep, keeping records back then, there's a chance there's a way to find out, but who knows? Yeah. I'm again, I, it just blows my mind that nobody else has dug this up. Like I have not seen anybody talk about it ever. Like on anything. Well, who knows? Maybe this is a, an internet breaking phenomenon here Perfect. on Cheese Radio. I love it. I, I would damaged, love to break the internet. Just damage a lot of free owned big time <laughs> watch sales. You, see the, <laughs> you just see Rolex Submariners become Disney stock and just like nosedive into the crowd. Wow. Was it too soon? Uh, no. No. I think you pick it, Disney, Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> D- Disney, Netflix, Twitter. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of crazy stock <laughs> stock boys are, are going up right now. So, but yeah, so I don't know. So listeners out there, if you are vintage Rolex collectors and you know quite a bit about this and, and I'm just crazy and I don't know anything, I'm an educated uh, schlub on the internet that doesn't know anything about vintage Rolex. If that's the case, school me, please. I'd love, I'd love to know. I just find it very odd that everywhere I go, well, it's a it's, big crown with a red triangle. It's not even just that. It's just the fact that, like you said, the, the variances between the models and the years, like it just, it, and there's no information about it. That's crazy. This famous watch. Exactly. Like, arguably one of the history, most famous watches. Yes. Is, is, and you don't know, the, like, I mean, you make some valid points. You make some very valid points, my friend. It's, it's almost crazy, like the, man. almost like the moon landing, moon landing speedmaster going missing. How? Yeah. How is that possible? They left in the studio. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> You're gonna get me triggered. <laughs> is there room under that tin hat for me too, Schmidt? Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. <laughs> all the, all the, all the room under the tin hats. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, so there, there's my little rant about the. Uh, the origins of the James Bond Rolex Mariner. Maybe it is the Mariner. Maybe it's not the Mariner. Maybe it is a 6538. Maybe it's a 6536. Who knows? Maybe it's a transition. Uh, I'm sure our keyboard warriors that listen to the Richie's radio podcast will, will do some fact checking on it. If you guys find it, please DM us. I'd love, I'd love to really know truly and honestly. So if there's somebody out there that does know, and I'm just smoking crack, um, <laughs> please let me know. So I, I do have a question for you guys on this, on this topic. So since we are talking about the original vintage Connery Rolex that was worn on screen, where do you guys fall in the scope of Rolex being the Rolex Submariner being the James Bond watch? Ooh, and don't you get can, me started. I'll, you I'll let, can I'll go into start. this. You can go as 
deep as you want you can go as as shallow as you want i don't i don't care i just want to get the opinion of of two gentlemen that aren't i would say infatuated with the character and more or less are more interested in the actual piece so we take it away no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, take it away. it's all good i i gave that i i gave that up on uh on wrist check it's all good um so here's my thing right as somebody who got to know james bond as a young kid in the 90s mm-hmm. for me my first bond is pierce brosnan because that's the yeah. first one i knew right so for me, that blue aluminum bezel Seamaster is always going to be it for me. It's in the GoldenEye video game, right? He's shooting the laser out of it. There was nothing cooler than that at that time, right? There you go. Now, obviously, as I got older, it, you know, it was, and I'm going to be honest, it was weird to know that there were more than one James Bond. I was like, what do you mean Sean Connery's James Bond? It's Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> You're lying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You're lying. <laughs> I know James Bond. He gets hit with a lime in Mrs. Daffire. I've seen it, okay? So, <laughs> he was undercover that's right so for me that was my quintessential bond was pierce brosnan and and i think i thought he he portrayed the role very well he's very smooth he's very you know deb on air whatever you want to call it so i always knew it as an omega now i'm going to ask you a question and i'm assuming i know the answer to this but now supposedly in the book casino royale you have the quote that Bond could never wear just any watch. It had to be a Rolex. Is it a coincidence that we got in Casino Royale, the movie, the Rolex Omega line? I think that... <laughs> I've actually never thought about that. I I think that had a couple angles to it. I think it was Omega's way of kind of taking a jab at Rolex because of the fact of here we are, you know, 10 years later and... We've been on Bond's wrist consistently for four films at this point. Well, now five films at that point. And they wanted to establish like dominance of this is our character, you know? Yeah. And there's also the fact of, <laughs> I think this is funny because the books were written, you know, Ian Fleming wrote the first book, I believe in 1953 was his first, when he wrote Dr. No. Hmm. So way before, you know, it was ever on screen these these books and these words were being put to the page you know so it, it's just to compare that's like me saying like oh the best watch right now is blah 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 well that's in 2022 who knows what the best watch is going to be in you know 2032 you know yeah sure. the yeah. relevancy starts tapering off from there so now you're trying yeah. to compare something that's written over 60 years ago sorry 70 years ago almost and it's just like well you know styles change i mean we're all not wearing zoot suits out tell you that so i and i and i think i think i mean for me i mean we we all kind of grew up in the same era of bond as well uh for me my bond was pierce brosnan too and subsequently daniel craig which i I love I, i really think he he redefined the role in the best way possible but anyway for me i grew up with the with the the laser pit, you know, Seamaster and the remote detonator and the helium valve and yep. all of these cool gadgets that that were awesome on the Seamaster that I that I distinctly remember. And and that that for me will be my Bond watch. But the other thing, too, that 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 I that I like to approach it because I am a, such a fan of Omega and the history of the brand. I also know historically 
it made sense for James Bond to, to wear an Omega because of the historical ties of Omega actually supplying the British military with watches during World War II. That's something that I don't think a lot of people really understand or really know, um, but it was historically accurate. And that's one of the major reasons why Lindy Hemming, the costume designer for GoldenEye, when she was basically coming to reinvigorate the character, because let's be honest, after T. Dalt, Timothy Dalton left the franchise, like we really didn't know if we were going to get another James Bond reboot because the 80s, like, like kind of like nobody cared. And so when GoldenEye came into the world, it was kind of like, for me, looking back on it now, this is almost like a make or break it film. Like if it wasn't successful, we wouldn't probably have continued the James Bond franchise because it would have needed a serious reboot to get it back into, into shape. So, and I think GoldenEye did that, but one of the things that I know from Lindy Hamming and interviews that I've seen from her when she talks about this, she says, you know, historically speaking, he would have been issued a Seamaster anyway, because that's what his actual real life counterparts would have been issued. It made sense historically. So in trying to reinvigorate the character, she wanted to put him in something that was unexpected and revolutionary and different, uh, which I thought was very cool. So for me, it makes sense that he wears that. Plus, if you look at the other things too, going back to the literature, right? Everyone's like, oh, but it's in the books. He wears a Rolex. I'm like, it's fine. He also drives a Bentley in the books. Yeah. And last time I checked, James Bond is not driving a Bentley. He's driving an Aston Martin. So there's also these aspects that, you know, sometimes tropes exist. But as you, as you pointed out, better things come along that make more sense for the character. I mean, he's not, he's not sleuthing around England in a V12 you know, uh, Bentley. Okay. Like, or, or uh, it's Bentley, right? Like, or Rolls Royce. It's Bentley, right? I think it's what it, Bentley, what it is. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he rocks the Bentley. Cotton yeah. It's now. a V12. It's a V12 Bentley. Like you're not stealthily pulling up on anybody in that thing. Right. Like, it's just crazy. You're not stealthily so pulling just, up in a, in a, D, in a DB5 either. So, I, mean, I mean, but at least it's, you know, if I, I don't know, like, I, I think seeing something on screen, you know, that, continuously evolves versus this was written again almost 70 years ago and that's it you know it you know things change you know things evolve yeah absolutely absolutely you know, so and it was funny because like there was this article forbes wrote when when goldeneye was being made and they said it was the 50 million dollar risk not worth taking you know so wow. like six six years hiatus from you know license to kill you know we got a very young del toro in there you know you got uh david uh i can't think of his last name right now plays uh sanchez he's he's david uh ah come on you guys know this guy he's got like the kind of like acne on his face david duvall is that is that his name no the company no Maybe. i don't know. I, I don't know i really don't know i don't know anyway you know and it's it's basically a james bond movie that doubles as a miami vice episode so it's just like you know you get all these aspects that just aren't bond you know and and there's an equation to these films and sometimes they just you know they miss their mark but i mean golden literally saved this franchise you know yeah. and like you were talking about Schmidt about Lindy and and her, she had to fight tooth and nail to get Omega in that movie. Yeah, like she like I I, I watched an interview with my buddy uh, David Zariski over at the Bond Experience, and we watched the same her. interview. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and she like went in pretty heavy detail about how like they were like there was a lot of pushback, 
And, you know, since then, you know, the relationship has blossomed. I feel like there's been some really great things there. There, there have been some things that I've kind of questioned, but um, for the most part, I think it's been a healthy relationship and, and it's, it's worked. And I, I really think it's, it's kind of taken um, to bond as a signature thing. Now I, I really, yeah. you know, people ask me all the time, do you see bond wearing something else? And I'll say like, you know, anything's possible, but in my heart of hearts, I just can't see it at this point. It's like saying, you know, um, anytime you see an Aston Martin, you don't think of 007. Like, it's just like, you, it's very difficult to do. Sure. Yeah. You, it's, it's hard now to separate the character mm-hmm. from that aspect. Like, okay, maybe he doesn't drink Heineken in the next film or, mm-hmm. okay, okay. But when you think of Bond, you think of Aston, right? And, and even now, like when you go back and you watch Pierce Brosnan and he drives a BMW in like some of the films at the end, you're like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Especially, you know, given what we know about the character and what he has driven or will will drive later on. Right. Right. So it's just kind of like it to me now. It's like as much as the Submariner may have been the first watch, it's no longer the Bond watch. That's and fair. as we pointed out, even the ones that they're selling aren't even Bond watches. Right? <laughs> oh, zing. <laughs> there, there's there's some Rolex collectors that are just like angrily typing away in the comments right now. Name. They're going to. They're going to blow me up. They're going to kill you. I welcome it. I welcome the challenge. Ugh. I was born in the dark. So I do have another question for you guys. So um, where where do you guys land on this new one that just came out with No Time to Die? Were you guys like impressed with it? Was it was it a grower? Or was it a shower? Like, like whoa, where, where do you land on, on the new No Time to Die watch? Like, did you love it right off the rip? Or were you kind of like, ooh, I had it kind of grew on you? bro i liked it i mean i i like the kind of vintage aesthetic and the i don't mind the the fotino whatever you want to call it i really didn't have a problem the bracelet looks awesome uh i really like the color scheme to be honest and obviously it's a 300 meter so it's a dope watch so i know a lot of people were kind of iffy on it but i think off the bat i liked it it's just i i just was like there's probably no way i'm gonna get one (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean, and, and just to clarify, are you are you talking about the film itself, or are you talking about the watch, or both? Oh, I'm talking about the watch. Okay, okay, okay. I wasn't sure because I know you and I have talked about the film. I, I I will say this: I I absolutely love the watch, and 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 I know from from my colleagues that are that are still in the industry that that carry the line, they can't keep them in stock. I mean, this is probably one of the most high profile, high selling Omega watches. Period. Um, and I think it was truly innovative for them to do it in titanium, to, to do it on a mesh bracelet, which I don't think anybody saw coming to do this tropical color scheme. I think the watch is fantastic. I mean, you own it. So, I mean, what are your thoughts? Obviously, you got to like it. Well, so this is funny because at, at first when I saw the spy shots and I started realizing it was brown, I was not. I, look, I was going to buy it regardless of the screen accurate watch because i'm a collector through and through but i was a little worried and i, I didn't know it was a melanese bracelet it looked like i don't know it looked like some kind of like sheen leather or like <laughs> like 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 some flat metal like modern ass like looking bracelet and i was like what the fuck is this and, but anyway i just um i wasn't really uh i wasn't really jiving with it because i was just like god it just looks very it, it was trying to be vintage yeah. and I was, wasn't sure how I felt about it. 
And let's be clear. And I learned a very valuable lesson with this release is until you get the piece in your hand, please reserve your judgment because yeah, once I held it and, and I kind of had that experience of seeing it with my own eyes, it plays so differently than it doesn't photograph. This watch does not photograph. Well, <laughs> that's the first. No. And I'll say that a large part of this is due to the, to the crystal. It's because of that high dome bubble crystal and sapphire. It just, it reflects all the light in these weird angles that either makes the dial look super shiny or makes the dial like wash out completely, depending on how the light is. You have to see this watch in person because the, the uh, domed effect of that crystal is everything. It looks fantastic in person. And I love, I love the tropical color that they did. Because again, like I'm not a person to be like, oh, brown is a sexy color. I want that on yeah. my wrist. But when you see it, damn, does it look good? It looks fantastic. Yeah, and there. So I was secretly hoping for an appearance of the original 300 in the movie somewhere, like in Jamaica, like whether it be in a dish or you know in a watch box of some sort or anything like that. I thought that would have been really, really cool. You know, like just like a nod back to the original. But yeah, but then you'd have to go find a $20,000 vintage Seamaster and you'd be uh, not uh, too happy on the wallet for sure. <laughs> That's true. Maybe it'll be, <laughs> maybe it'll be screen accurate. Touche. <laughs> Touche. As long as it's screen accurate, though, right? Like, there you go. Yeah. I mean, of course. Look. At the end of the day, this watch was it, it was for Omega. It was it was a home run. Like it really was. Yeah. No yeah. matter what everyone has said, like, and I've heard everything under the sun about this watch, but I have noticed that people that were kind of dismissing the watch in the beginning have changed their tune. And whether they want to admit it or not, you know, that's up, you know, that's on them. But yeah. it's funny because like I was talking with uh cat shoulders over at 10 and 2. And she ended up buying the watch. And I was surprised because when they first saw it and her and Catelyn did a review on the watch, um, they weren't fans of the watch at all. And she picked it up and she ended up moving on from it. And then, I mean, me and her were chatting. She's like, I kind of want that watch back. And I'm sitting there like, are you kidding me? Like, like, I I feel like I've never, I've never sold a piece from my collection. So I don't understand that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But. I just can't imagine selling something. And then that, I think that's what gives me the fear of selling something is I don't want to get in the situation where I was like, damn it, I shouldn't have sold that. Yeah. And then so, you have to go clamor to get it back. And it's that, yeah. Or, never, it's yeah. never as easy as when you got it the first time. Shit. No, there's no way. So yeah, I, that was the first person I had talked to where I, I, I had run into that scenario where they had owned it moved on from it and then was like you know what i think i need that back you know i don't know if she ever got it back or if she still wants it but th- this conversation was like a few months ago but um yeah it, it's a very difficult piece to keep in stock i know it's limited production i know that they're going to eventually stop production on it um sooner rather than later i would think i know they said originally it was supposed to go out of production when the next film was coming out but i i don't know how true that is with all the delays and stuff you know yeah that, that's, a that's what I had heard too. Yeah, a completely different timeline. So it's just like, I think a lot of people, were, oh, the funniest thing was when the watch was released, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, I'll just wait a few months till after the movie comes out and then I'll get it for four or five grand off. Yeah, right. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on the shit bag now? now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's on the yeah. shit bag now? You know, and it's now now like, you can barely yeah. get it, and you're certainly getting it at retail. I mean, there's retail like, or it's, more. It, it, is, in some cases. it is what it is. But like, it just amazes me. I think my biggest gripe with the release was was the fact that Omega decided to do a NATO version and then do a, a Melanese version. It's like, just put the NATO in package and sell one model. <laughs> like, just just be done with well, it. Well, like, I mean, but think of it this way, man. And this is just me, you know, knowing how Omega operates and 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 all this different stuff when they make different models, like when, when I used to work with the brand and sell them, at least it gave people the option to make a purchase. And I know that at times, given the popularity of that watch, if there was only one reference, there's a lot of people who would not have that watch today. Because I know a lot of people bought it on the NATO strap because they couldn't get it on the bracelet. And then they would order the, the, the bracelet later to, to have basically both looks. Like without that NATO reference, that would have never been possible. And I guarantee you half the people that own that watch would not own it. Maybe. That kind of I mean, NATO. I would love yet, I, I mean, you have to you have to you you have to admit, like the 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 thing with that watch is like it's not an easy watch to make. I mean, the mesh no, braces no. in titanium for Christ's sake. Of I mean, it, that cannot be an easy process to manufacture. There had to be some production delays. There had to be some some stuff that that caused those watches to not maybe come out as fast as Omega wanted. Well, then and the, the box and then the you release. throw COVID in there. Yeah, yeah. The botch of the release and the movie being shifted so much. Like, yeah, that's a- there's 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 no way to really tell. And but but here's my follow up to that. Okay, you made a very valid point. But my follow up to that is how many people bought the NATO and then turned around and bought the Melanies afterwards? Or how many people bought the Melanies and then turned around and bought the NATO afterwards? I'll tell you what I did. And I know everyone I've talked to has. So if you're doing that anyway, which I mean, money's money. It's like just charge 10 grand for the damn thing and just sell it. You know, like, like this is what it is. Like I, I just like at, at the end of the day, and then the reference matches. Now, now you're into the thing where when if you do get to the point where you're reselling this piece, you know, to a collector, guess what? If the reference isn't the reference of the Melanese, a collector is going to probably give you the pass. So you run into that. I mean, I guess, but it's it's literally the same watch, like identical. Well, you know, the same watch, and technically, and technically, pretty much the same watch. (laughs) And technically, both watches were screen worn. They were screen worn, but only one was worn by by Bond. Well. I mean, one was worn by 007 and one was worn by Bod, so that's fine. One was, no, Bod was 007 at the end if you want to be technical. So, I mean, God. I know, I know. Dude, it's, I know. It's, this is all the stupid stuff. This is all we, the stupid minutiae. Bros is laughing over in the corner. <laughs> this is what it's all about, right? Here. This is why we show up. That's it. <laughs> yeah, we're not, not going to talk about this. What are we doing here? But yeah, but yeah, technically, both of them are screen worn, both the native strap version. And and the Milanese abrasive version, so I, I think like, that's also cool too. No, I and I thought that was great. I wish Bond would award on the NATO at some point. Like I think that would have been awesome. Like when he was like fishing or whatever, it would have been cool. Like to kind of see him tra- change the straps out or something like that. Like just sell it as a complete package. That, that that's yeah. kind of my thing. Yeah, I do no, like I, that I they that. didn't make that. it a limited edition like the Spectre because I think there was a lot of people that felt like they missed out on something you know that they really wanted. 
Yeah. And, and, and now people yeah. are still trying to find that dang watch. And it's been yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. Seven years. <laughs> Look, I uh, mean, it's it, it, man. Yeah, I got I mean, mine. I got mine two years after, and I'll tell you what, I paid a premium and you know what? I don't regret it for one second because that's how bad I wanted that watch. And I yeah. think that's when, you know, and people are still, <laughs> are still trying to get that watch seven years later. And it's, and you're, you're going to get a double premium. Like it's, it, that is a watch that's going up in value and certainly maintaining it for sure. Um, and it, that, that watch is fantastic. It's such a cool watch. Bro looks checked out. <laughs> No, uh, honestly, Are I had you too my, done bickering. My, no, my last, uh, my last question, sort of piggybacks off what we were just talking about, is, um, where do you think we go from here? I think that's the question on everybody's mind. I know a lot of people have a certain group of actors picked out, and sort of what they think is going to happen from the man himself, Omega Bond watches. What do you got? I mean. I will tell you the person I would love to be Bond that won't be. And I will tell you the person who I think will be Bond based on just a few factors. But so the person I wanted to be Bond was um, Michael Fassbender. Okay. The, the scene in Inglorious Bastards in the tavern, I was sold. In that moment, I was like, this dude would be an amazing Bond. I, I think he would bring, you know, the tenacity and, and, the charm also that we haven't seen in a while you know i love daniel craig but he wasn't the suavest bond in my book you know um, i almost i almost feel like after seeing him as a as an android in the alien series uh-huh. it almost gives me a feeling for like his range and ability to play somebody who can be both like stoic and then also go like full magneto when he has to rage <laughs> yep yep so like yeah he was my my pick just but in my opinion just he's a little too old for the role now um unfortunately i think he'd make a great villain um sure Mm. like maybe like a a modified like you know alec trevelyan like a sean beam type you know Mm -hmm. situation um the person i think it's going to be might be too mainstream of a pick but uh henry cavill i think that's who i hope it is yeah, he just missed the role. He came in second place to Daniel Craig when yeah. he green tested first kissing Royale. And 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 Barbara Broccoli actually really liked him. Yeah, he, in, in from what I understand in the screen tests. Yeah. I I think it could still happen for him. I know time is kind of ticking on him also. I think the age thing does play a factor in these things. Um but he's still relatively young. I mean, he's not like Yeah, he's he's there. No, no, he's in his late thirties. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a little older than Daniel was when he started. Um, I think Man from Uncle was a great. That yeah, was kinda, that was a great indicator that, that, for Shane, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was like okay, he can he can do this. It would be a very different direction from you know a physique standpoint for Bond. Like he's a very you know he's present. Jacked. Yeah, he would, <laughs> present is putting his present is putting yeah, him yeah, for sure. The dude just, is built. But if you think about Bond, a naval commander, I mean, he's going to be a military guy. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been been built too. Yeah. So, I mean, I do like that aspect of it, but I, if we were following history, I feel like it would be a no namer. Like I really feel like it'd be someone lesser known. Um, I feel like Richard Madden has a pretty good shot um, outside of uh, Henry Cavill. Yeah. But his physique to me just doesn't seem like it's, 
the commanding because yeah. he seems like a really small guy. I mean, and, and arguably Daniel Craig is pretty small. Yeah. But Daniel Craig is at least built. Yeah. Like I don't know if Richard Madden has the 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 physique that that I would expect that James Bond would have. Someone said, um, "Who was it?" Robert Pattinson. And I was like, "You can't be Bond, no. that, man. There's no way. Like, like there has to be lines. You can only be super. I would Bond. never <laughs> want him to be James Bond. No, I would never want him to be James no. Bond for sure. I couldn't. See um, question for the, you: He doesn't have the rugged for me. You know, yeah, Bond's yeah. got a no. little rugged I mean, to him. He, I have I have buddies who just saw Batman. They said he was the worst Batman they've ever seen. Uh, now I'm not a superhero comic book kind of person myself. I don't watch Marvel. I don't watch DC. That's just me. But you know, who hurt you? <laughs> just never got into it. Like I watched the first few films, and then like they just they just kept coming out and coming out and coming out. I was like, I'm so far removed from this. Like I would have to watch like fifty you movies binge, just bro. to catch you up. You gotta get yeah. in there. You gotta get in there. No, just I'm commit. not gonna do that. Commit. I'm not gonna do it, bro. What do Plus, you think everything's about? all crazy now with with the with the universe, and it's just too many too many characters and too many people to like try to digest. But anyway, question for you, Mister Omega Bond watches. Um, do you think we'll get the new Bond announcement at the 60th anniversary? I think there's a good that would shot. be kind of an opportune time, right? I mean, it would make sense. I hope so. I I I also know that we'll probably be getting a 60th anniversary Bond watch from Omega. So exciting! I mean, like, <laughs> I think is that is that your prediction happening? I I feel good about it. I think there is potential for there to be something Bond related coming out from Omega at the end of this year. I mean, just based on some of the Cause, other because when is the official anniversary? Reacting. Do you know? October 5th. October so that 5th. Was, okay. October 5th was mark the, your calendars. October 5th, Global James Bond Day. Also, the reason it's Global James Bond Day is that was the day that they released Dr. No in theaters. October 5th, ah, 1962. Ah. So there you go. That's why that's the day. October 5th, 1962. I like yeah, it. so typically, you know, I, I mean, I think it'd be cool. And and I think the thing that's kind of skirting under the radar right now is the, the Amazon purchase of MGM Studios. Yeah. Has it officially finalized? It was finalized, I think, two months ago, and and there okay. has already been some some rumblings and moves happening. Uh, there will be, <laughs> uh, what's that show called? Um, that that reality show where, where they travel across the world. Oh, amazing yeah, race, yeah, like Rat Race, or yes, amazing, race? Ama- amazing Race. They are they are taking out. They were doing a Bond version, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Your, yours truly has put an application in, so who knows? But uh, you know, you gotta shoot your shot. But um, <laughs> if I get on there, I will be calling Omega and begging them to let me have some sort of sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, no, it, it, it's cool. I think, you know, it somehow, some way they need to get the franchise to be relevant to a younger fan base and, yeah. and get people attached. And I think this is a cool, different way of doing it. Um, was, would this be my first choice? I have no idea, <laughs> yeah. but I do find it interesting while I tune in. Absolutely. Cause I'd like to see how many other people there out there in the world are as crazy as I am. And <laughs> I mean, there's just like, you got to do something with it. And I feel like if everyone tries to do what Marvel has done and create a multiverse of, you know, characters and timelines. And I mean, let's be clear the last 10 years, Marvel has made fistfuls and fistfuls of cash. 
However, I feel like it is catch their product and their quality is starting to suffer. Like Correct. if I'm being 100, like at some point people walk away from the project that are the originals yep. uh, and the brain, you know, the brain keepers uh, of the whole thing. And you start seeing it, you know, inaccuracy, the fatigue and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hey, just like, okay, it had its moment. You start making too many watches. Quality control goes down. Absolutely. Or if you don't make enough. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Pew, pew, pew. I, I like it. I like <laughs> it. I like it. Bring this I, back full circle. Uh, back hey, full circle. I, I, I like to play both sides of the fence here. You know, there's always, you know, there's always grass isn't always greener on the other side. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, Mr. Bro, do you got anything else to, to ask our esteemed guest? Last thing, your go-to martini. Oh, dude. Uh, obviously a Vesper. And, and yes. those are not for the faint of heart because <laughs> uh, yeah. the, the don't three, three, you're feeling it. <laughs> uh, honestly, I know my number with those. If I have three, it's like, okay, this is like Kenny Loggins' danger zone now. It's like, <laughs> if I go for that fourth one, it's like, bad shit happens so um for those that don't know a vesper martini was the first drink introduced in dr no or sorry casino royale which is the first book and and essentially the first bond movie um when you look at casino royale um he drinks a vesper martini because that's the love of his life anyway i digress it's uh three parts gin one measure of vodka and then a half measure of quinoliette which they don't even make that anymore so it's just liette <laughs> and i like mine with uh belvedere vodka and gordon's like the original and okay. then obviously i like to do americana instead of liette but i liette's the original so it doesn't matter when it comes to that but those things are uh they're strong but they're really refreshing and they're they're it's you're getting yes, your booze. you're not you're not playing around when you're it's just vodka. straight booze i mean that like that's oh, it 100 percent you garnish, you garnish with a little bit of, of, of a lemon peel, and, and there you go. Yeah, I mean, lemon it's, twist, it's straight. You're good to go. It's uh, bro, it's you ever have one? I have not. I'm gonna have one now. Oh, <laughs> you gotta get a Vesper. We don't is, if Vesper I'm gonna get that, if awesome. I'm gonna get that, I'm gonna get that in a really like classy place. Like, I want it to be well made, I don't want to have somebody just throw it together and be like, here you go. And it's going to be just a yeah, pile that's, of booze. That's not a you know dive I mean? bar drink. It's uh, that's what I'm a, saying. It's a nice, di- it's a nice dining drink. Like when I was, when sure. I was in Spain, I had like a life changing gin and tonic. And I remember oh, that, like wow. it was unbelievable. It was like juniper and dried fruit and all this stuff in it. And it was super refreshing and I'll never forget it. It was served in like a goblet. It was amazing. So like I would wait for another experience like that to grab something of that caliber. So when you're in Vegas, I will take you to there the we Vesper go. bar for a Vesper. That is where you do it. There and we go. Right. Yeah. On the bucket list now. On the bucket list. Come to Vegas. We'll walk by the Rolex store and look at all the empty cases and then we'll go to Omega. No, no, no. It's okay. They have exhibition models. I'll press my cheeks to the window. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Which cheeks? Schmidt, <laughs> uh, you got anything else for our friend here? No man, nothing, nothing else that I want to pick his brain about. I mean, we, we've we've talked a lot. We've gotten a little bit longer than we normally do, but that's all oh, good. Hey, this um, has been great, guys. Thank, no, thank tons you so much fun. for having me. Um, hopefully, you know, when there's another Bond release, you know, we can get back together and we can kind of pick it apart. Let's do that's it. Up. I'm down. All right, guys. Well, Let's thanks for it. having Let's me on. It. I really do appreciate it. Um, and it's been awesome, and it's really different to be on this side of the microphone, if if, if I may. 
but um you guys are definitely good at your craft so thank you again for the invite yeah man it's our pleasure we're, we're sincerely glad that you were able to make this work and and fit us in your schedule and everything like that so uh thank you thank you for recording with us yeah thanks for hopping on it's always nice to see somebody kind of project their passion especially if it's something that like i'm not super in tune with like the bond community so it's cool to see that come out as something i'm familiar with but not super deep in it so again thanks yeah. a lot for hopping on and uh for all our listeners at home this has been episode 27 thanks for tuning in later peace